Hi, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. This episode is all about scraps. If you've been wondering how to get started sorting and organizing your scraps, we're offering some basics. We also chat with Jessica Veter, a scrappy quilter and pattern designer who has lots of fun tips and info to share. So let's dive in. For something so small, scraps can be a big problem if you don't have an organization system in place. Today, I'm here with Doris Brunette, the editor of Quilt Sampler Magazine, to discuss the basics of sorting and storing your precious scraps. That's so true, Lindsay. No matter how many scraps you have, if you don't have them organized, you may struggle to use them in your projects. Finding a scrap system that works for you is a personal thing. Everyone has different ways of approaching it. So before we get started, why don't you just give an overview of like your scrap philosophy or how you organize your scraps, Doris? Sure. I used to keep all of my scraps, including collecting other people's scraps when I was at some <laughs> retreats. Uh, no matter how small, I mean, fabric isn't cheap, right? Um, it was hard to throw any of it out. However, a few years ago, I decided I had to be able to cut at least a one and a half inch wide strip or a two inch square from a scrap in order to keep it. Anything smaller goes to the trash basket. And I've started cutting the scraps into standard size strips or squares before storing them. So if I need a two and a half inch strip for a project, I pull out that scrap container and go through them to find what I want. And I sort by color within each size. What about you, Lindsay? So until Last year, I didn't save any scraps. Um, I either just threw them out or shared them with other quilter friends, <laughs> you know, because you collect. Um, but last year, I decided to actually start saving and cutting all of my scraps into two and a half inch squares. Um, so, because like two and a half inch square is a pre-cut size. It's also known as a mini charm if you've never seen those in the stores. Um, I knew I would be able to find a lot of patterns that use that size of square, and I also sorted all of my squares by color and stacked them neatly in a, just a few storage containers so they really didn't take up too much space. So recently I made a quilt that used almost 2,000 of those squares, which really diminished my scrap stash. Um, but I'm also a person that doesn't like disorganization, so having that one size scrap to work with really helps me to feel in control of my scrap bins and avoid feeling kind of overwhelmed with my options for patterns. Uh, but that doesn't mean I will stick with my two and a half inch squares forever. I, I plan to move on to strips of all sizes soon so I can start making a few string pieced quilts. Oh, your scrap quilt is beautiful that you just... <laughs> Thank you. There are different ways to organize scraps because we're on opposite ends of the spectrum. It all comes down to individual needs and finding a system that you can keep up with. So we're going to share a few things today to consider before sorting your scraps. So the first thing to think about is what kind of quilter you are. So do you gravitate towards pre-cut friendly patterns like me? If so, you may want to cut your scraps to common pre-cut sizes like 10 inch square, five inch square, or two and a half inch strips. Do you like your quilts to have a level of control through the color placement? Then organizing by color is probably important to you. Do you find yourself making patterns that feature either large or small blocks? 
If you're making large blocks, you'll want your scraps to be larger. But if you're making small blocks, cutting your scraps down will be the most beneficial. So these are just the type of questions that can help clue into how you may use your scraps in the future so you can start to develop a system that works for you. Now let's talk about size of scraps. There are quite a few different approaches here. Some people like to cut their scraps into the largest usable size. For example, you'll square up the scrap fabric, just trimming any uneven edges of the fabric, then storing the fabric without cutting it further. This allows the greatest freedom with your scraps because you can cut it down into other sizes depending on the needs of a pattern. This was my old system of scrap storage, but after a while it became overwhelming for me and I used my scraps less because of it. The downsize is that your pieces aren't ready to use without a little more work. And you may have to double check that you can cut the pieces you need from the odd size scraps before committing. You can also choose to cut all your scraps into one or more specific sizes, depending on the types of patterns you like to make. Lindsay mentioned cutting things into pre-cut sizes, so that's an option. You could also cut scraps into strips or squares of various widths, such as two and a half inch and one and a half inch strips and squares at two inches, three inches, four inches, this is why knowing what types of quilts or size blocks you make often can be helpful. It may clue you into what size strips and squares you'd use the most in your projects. The next thing to think about is color or value. So organizing by color is something that many quilters do, so it really seems obvious to extend that organization system into your scraps as well. Depending on how you might define a background fabric and how detailed do you want to be in your color organization can all make a difference in sorting by color though. So for example, is blue just blue to you or does blue also include both dark and light blues, teals, and aquas? <laughs> so you can really kind of go down the rabbit hole when you start organizing by color. So it's best to decide early if you care about the various shades of colors or not. And it doesn't have to be consistent. So for example, I keep my oranges and corals together, but I do separate my blues and my teals. So it, it just kind of depends on how, how you will use them. And also thinking about your backgrounds. Um, you may be able to store all of your whites and creams and light grays and low volumes together, but that may not work if you like to be more specific with your background colors. Some especially scrappy quilters don't care about color at all as much as they care about that contrast. So some people may just organize by only light and dark fabrics. Storage space also plays a huge role in how you might organize your scraps. Do you have the space to organize by both color and then size within each color group? If so, go crazy. The sky's the limit. Just organize in a way that makes sense to you. Or do you only have a room, room for a few storage bins to store all of your scraps? In that case, organizing by light and dark prints or by scrap size may be easiest since specific colors are easy to recognize and find amongst your scraps. Your storage space may also help to determine what size scraps to cut too. Scraps cut into small squares can easily fit into a small container, but longer strips may need a larger container to accommodate their size. I was just thinking about my space today. I freed up a drawer in my sewing table and I was like, now I have a place where I can 
throw my fabric until I have time to cut it to size and deal with it. Those in that new sewing table that I brought home from work as I kept the big drawer at the bottom for that purpose. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Remember not to let it like overflow. So. I know, exactly. Okay, so we know this isn't the most helpful step-by-step guide to sorting scraps, but that is because scrap organization is so personal. So if you've already found a scrap system that works for you, congrats, that's awesome. But if you're just getting started, we suggest keeping it as simple as possible at the beginning. Just start with one size scrap and sort by colors, and then you can expand from there based on your needs and space. Exactly. If you jump into a complicated system, you may feel overwhelmed with how to keep up with cutting and sorting all of your scraps. And the most important part of having a usable system is that you'll be able to use them to make beautiful scrap quilts. Thanks, Doris. We're going to take a quick ad break, but hang tight. When we come back, we're talking to Jessica Veter about scraps and so much more. And we're back. You've heard me talk about Jessica Veter previously on the podcast because she's the designer of one of my most favorite scrappy quilts. And because our episode is about scraps today, I thought it would be fun to bring her on the show to talk all things scraps, as well as her patterns, sewing space, and more. I hope you enjoy our chat. Hi, Jessica. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So let's get started. Um, Can you tell us a bit about you and how you started quilting? Well, sure. My um, my name is Jessica Veter, and um, as we just said, most people refer to me as Jessica Quilter because my last name's hard to pronounce. Um, but my name came about after um, I made my first quilt, and um, a guy that I worked with at a seminary said, "We're just going to start calling you Jessica Quilter," and I was like, "Ooh, that'd be a really good email name." And then it just kind of stuck. People just started to call me that, so it's kind of funny. Wow, that's amazing. um, You got that name after making one quilt. (laughs) One quilt. And it was like, well, I was, I was hooked. You found your calling. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been around quilts all my life and my, I'm a fifth generation quilter. And my grandmother um, used to send me and my brother to my grandfather's closet and say, find some pretty shirts and let's just cut them up and make a quilt. Oh my so my gosh. poor grandpa would be like, where's that shirt of mine? You know, we're like, I don't know. You know <laughs> it's like, well, you using on your bed, you know. But um, so I was around, um, you know, quilting mayhem my whole life, just, you know, tying quilts and self-binding. And um, I never really knew, you know, like how to make a separate binding and attach it or to do a mitered corner. Goodness, I still am working on that one. Um, but I was just always fooling around with fabric my whole life. And in about 2001, we were thinking about having our first child, and um, we just went, uh, my husband and I went to the store, and I bought some fabric, and a lady at Joanne Fabric talked me through how to do a basic patchwork, you know, patchwork quilt, and I was like, well, I can just tie it. That's what my grandma did, and I'll do a self-binding, you know. I didn't really know what she was talking about, but I was, you know, we worked it out. So I made my first quilt out of some um, cross-stitching blocks that my boss had given me, and I was hooked. I mean, to say I was bitten by the quilt bug, I was bitten hard, and everything in my life just got packed away, and I went full-on 
sewing and quilting. I bought everything I could get my hands on, every magazine, every pattern. I tried everything. And I loved it. I haven't stopped since. So that was, you know, 2001. However you do the math, that's where we are. <laughs> so. Wow. So you said you are a fifth generation quilter? Yes. Do yeah, you? I have actual quilts that prove for fifth generation quilting. Wow. So, that's amazing. Yeah. I feel really, truly blessed with my heritage with that. Um, and I just, I love it. I could see why they all did it because it's just so fun. <laughs> oh, that's so, so meaningful to have those quilts still in your family. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. So, um, and my son, who's 17, he's made a couple of quilts. And oh. so he he likes to say, you know, I'm a sixth generation quilter and all of these quilts will be passed on to him. We just have one son. So I'm like, look, buddy, you've got to get on this. <laughs> That's right. He has to carry it on. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So anyway. Awesome. Okay. So our podcast listeners have heard about you before because just a few weeks ago, I was talking about the scrap busting nine patch quilts I made from your pattern. So they're familiar with you. So I wanted to talk a little bit about scraps (laughs) so like can can you tell us like what sizes you save like how do you store them do you have any favorite patterns yeah okay so first of all your quilt is gorgeous oh thank you I love it because you included you know the full gamut of color and I just I love it you did such a good job um so I In the beginning of my quilting days, I thought scrap quilts meant that they were supposed to be ugly. (laughs) And I had to throw everything away in the garbage that was left over from a project because I was like, I am not making an ugly scrap quilt. That's disgusting. (laughs) You know, and my friends were like, stop throwing your scraps away. So um, I began to kind of bag them and sell them because I still was convinced that if you took, you know, fabric from multiple projects, that there's no way they would work together and look nice. And then once upon a day in 2013, I found Instagram and started to look at hashtags like, you know, scrap quilts and that kind of thing. And I was like, whoa, organized scrappy quilts are so beautiful. So then I started to save all of my scraps and put them into color-coded organization system like at the time it was just different boxes and um i bought a scrapbooking paper container thing at michael's it's like where you get the 12 by 12 plastic scrapbook project things and they stack on top of each other nice and neat so i have that that i've been using for the last like 10 years and each one has um of course a label I'm obsessive, and um, each one has, like, a color family, so, like, there's a low volume in white, and then a dark, and then, you know, blues, and then green and yellow, and, you know, that kind of thing. Do you, like, um, separate your blues? Like, do you have a teal and an aqua, or does it just all kind of go in one? I don't. Now, okay, so this is where we get to the nitty-gritty, right? (laughs) I keep in the box, they are, you know, they're allowed to touch each other. The corn and the peas can touch, but (laughs) they, they are, they're in like a family. Like I could close my eyes and know like the aqua is going to be in that top right corner. 
or the teal is going to be over on the left. But as far as blue, like blue is blue to me. Yeah. And I know that they have all these great names and I really want that job with Kona to name them. But I don't have the space to do like a dark blue and a light blue bin. So they're just all together, but they're separated inside. Yeah. And that works for me. Now, some people can separate them even further. And my gosh, if you have the space, do it. <laughs> I would do, I would love to do that, you know, but, um, so within those bins, I put in there, um, leftover strips, like whatever size one and a half inch is usually my, my strip minimum size of width. And then, um, I don't usually put anything in there that's larger than 10 inches. So if I use a layer cake, and I have a 10 inch square that's left over. I will put it in my scrap bin. Anything larger than a 10 inch square goes into my plastic tubs that I keep for my fabric. And that's just mentally how I know, like, okay, if I need, let's say I need an orange grunge and I go to my orange grunge fabric bin and there isn't any there, I know that there's going to be something smaller than a 10 inch in my scrap bin. Does that make sense? Yeah, and that's exactly how I do my scraps too. The 10 inch square is my mark on whether it goes on my shelves with the rest of my fabric or in my scrap bin. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm not really like measuring that. I'm just, if it folds nice and neat and can look pretty in my bin, then it's going to go in there. But if it's, you know, happens to be a nine inch square in there, you know, I'm not going to like, you know, give myself a, you know, sad face on my planner or something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I guess it's just, it's just like kind of like a rule of thumb. Like that's just how I mentally separate my fabric and how I know that it's a scrap or whether it's going to be a fat quarter or something is going to be in the other bin. So, um, but I keep a hour basket on top of my, um, and that's just a little a pattern that I found online. I think Kelby sews is the one who came up with that. But I keep one of those on top of the bin. And as I'm doing projects and I have scraps, I throw it in there. And when that gets full, I dump it on the table, separate it out, and put them away. And that's my process of, like, you know, keeping my scraps. And if I come across something, I'm just like, you know, I'm never going to use this. I start a bag, and then I put it in my D-stash when it's full. Yeah. that's my cycle. (laughs) Do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember Um, the first scrappy quilt you made? Um, let's. Yes, I do. You're going to love this. Okay. So American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine is like the only magazine I buy. I have a subscription and they had a pattern. Um, I think it was Buckeye Beauty or something. It was just like a scrappy star pattern. Uh-huh. And at the time in that particular phase of my quilting, I had discovered batiks and anything that wasn't a batik, I just hated. You know, I just, just hated it. Like I was like, this is disgusting. I want batiks. So I dumped my entire stash out and I cut up my entire stash that wasn't batik into this pattern. And I made a king size, a queen size, and a full of like a larger twin, I guess is really the way to say it. But I made three huge quilts out of my whole stash and they put it in like their show and tell page, which was really cool. Oh, that's <laughs> I was like, awesome. that's what I did. I used my whole stash. <laughs> so I, um, but that was the first time I did a scrappy quilt that. I would make like a green block and a pink block. And then, you know, starting to learn how to like, how I enjoyed doing a scrappy quilt. There's so many ways, but for me, that was aesthetically pleasing to kind of group them into family colors. Yeah. Yep. 
Now did I know I was going to end up with like 300 and something stars? No, but hey, it was fun. <laughs> oh my <laughs> so, gosh, no. that's crazy. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and find that picture. <laughs> I'll have to find, I'll email you and I'll have to let you know what the ep- the magazine is. I've got it somewhere. So Yeah, that would be so fun. Yeah. So you had asked me in the email about my favorite patch, like which ones are my favorite scrappy uh-huh. patterns. And I, I mean, not to like, you know, sound boastful, but I do enjoy my scrappy nine patch because I've made three of them. And it's a two and a half inch square to start with. And so to me, that was just super easy to find in my, in my scrap bin. I ended up with so many leftover from so many projects. So I've made three of those. And that's kind of rare for me to make something multiple times. Um, I think the only other thing I've ever done that with is my Maxine Dot quilt. Um, but the new one that I am obsessed with is Plattish. Have you made Plattish yet? No. The one that's from Kitchen Table Quilting. Okay. Um, it's a free pattern. And you go through like a checkout process like you've bought it, but it's free. Yeah. And she's a genius. It's on my on my Instagram feed. It's the blue, pink, and orange plaid quilt. It is okay. just the most fun thing to make. Oh my gosh. I'm like, I can't wait to do another one. It's so good. I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah. It took me a long time to find a scrappy pattern I was excited about. So when I found your nine patch one, I loved it and I loved the whole process and it was so quick. And as soon as I finished it, I was like, I could make another one of these. I'm just like excited to experiment with, you know, the color placement but that's, I'm going to have to look at the plaid one and see. (laughs) And I think the color placement is really the part that gets you with the scrappy nine patch, because it's like you, you, you know, two and a half inch squares, everybody can have access to that. It's not a hard thing to cut, nor is it a hard thing to find a pre-cut of, or you can cut your pre-cuts down. And it's the color placement that gets me because I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to focus on the center being orange and then I built the yellow around it and then I went to the green and it was just so like this fluid movement of placing the color that, I mean, I just got like a total color high on it. It was so (laughs) much fun. I'm like, okay, let's do another one. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I love it. I'm glad you like it too. Yeah. Well, since we're already talking about your patterns, you design quite a few patterns. So I wanted you to share a little bit more about maybe some of your most popular ones or like a new one you have that you're really excited about? Yeah, sure. So I, I fell into pattern designing by accident. Um, I made the selvage bookshelf quilt, which most people, this is what they will recognize and know me for. Um, I have three of those patterns that are bundled together that I sell on my Etsy, Etsy site. It just makes it easier because they kind of all work off of one another and I just put them together and um, you can do an improv version or you can do a follow the traditional cutting size version or you can do a mini version. And I've just had a really good response from it because it is a very, it's a very talkative pattern. So it's very long and there's a lot of words, but the point of it is to teach people how to make it their own. No two are alike, even when you look at the hashtag of groups of people that have made them together, they're all going to be unique. Um, and that's, that's my favorite thing about quilting is that you can take a pattern and one person just chooses a different color and that's already going to be their own personal style exhibited. 
in that quilt. And so the salvage bookshelf quilt is really a, a good conversation piece, even when you have a beginner that's made it or something. So yeah. that's, that's my biggest. Yeah. And I think that, one, that, that pattern specifically gets people thinking about their fabric and like a new and exciting way. Like look at your salvages, yeah. like look at how your fabrics yeah. cut into pieces and how they would look together as books on a shelf. I think that's yeah. fun. Yeah. And there's so many options for sizes. If you can't, if, if it's hard for you to imagine how to take any strip and make it into a book, that's where the second pattern of it being the traditional cutting size is helpful because it starts with a two and a half inch strip. And there's, it's just easier for people to start with that jelly roll or something and take out all that beginning guessing for learning how to cut and that kind of thing. So when I write my patterns from the beginning to the end, I've always written them as if I'm talking to my mom. And if she needs a step in there to help her with making a quilt, I'm going to put that step in there, even if someone who has been making quilts for 20 years can skip past that. It's going to be in there because I want it to be where she can read it and she can follow it. So she's my number one tester. I'm like, okay, read this. And if there's any questions or something you get lost on, I need to know. Yeah, that's <laughs> a great idea. <laughs> and then I have such a great team of testers that have been working with me from the beginning, which Aww. has been a big blessing. So, um, but speaking of salvages, my newest one is the salvage spider web quilt block pattern. And um, it's a partial foundation paper piecing pattern. Lots of, a lot of peas in there. Um, and you use your salvages to make a spider web pattern, um, block pattern that is complete on its own. So a lot of times with spider web quilt patterns, you'll have to make a triangle and the points of the triangle will create the spider web after they've all been assembled. But this is all contained within one block, which I thought was a really fun idea because you might not want to make 89, you know, blocks of right. triangles and then eventually get five, you know, you know, spider webs. This is, you make your eight triangles and you get a spider web and it's done. So you can make it as a mini or pick however many blocks you want to make the size that you want, which is really fun. I and love then it. And use your selfages. So, <laughs> so I'm quite addicted to them. I have um, been known to buy fabric because of the selvage and then give the fabric to my mom because all I really wanted was the words and the pictures on the selvage. So that's <laughs> funny. Know. We all have our thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they're doing such cool things with salvages now. So they're a little more exciting I than they know. used to be. <laughs> I know. The um, My favorite is cotton and steel because they're like an inch wide. And um, I guess now they are Ruby Star Society, mm -hmm. um, the ladies that are now with Moda. And they their salvage is just the right size for me because I usually cut about an inch away from the edge of the wording. So that I get a good amount of fabric that I can decide how wide I want it to be for each project. So I get, you know, some people say, well, you've lost all that fabric. Well, no, I didn't. I gained it with another project. So it's exactly. just a matter of perspective and how you look at it. So, yeah. Love it. Okay. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about your sewing space. Uh, do you have like okay. a whole room? Is it like, is there your favorite aspects of your sewing space? Yeah, I, um, I've been very blessed with a husband who looks, when we've moved a lot, um, he will look at the house 
for my sewing space is the first thing he's looking for. Wow, um, that's lucky. Extremely <laughs> encouraging and very loving, and I hope I never take that for granted a day in my life. But he, um, when we moved the first time to North Carolina, we've moved a lot. Um, he bought the house without me seeing it, and he said, I just bought a house because I found your sewing room that's, like, perfect. And it was this big open loft area, and oh my gosh, it was just, it was perfect. And that was kind of where I started to hone my style of what I wanted my sewing room to kind of have this flow. And um, with our next house in Kentucky, I, they did not have lofts in Kentucky. It's not a thing, it's not the style. So we um, bought a house that had a, a tandem dining room, living room with a big opening. And that became my sewing space. And now in the house that we're in back in North Carolina, I have a guest room upstairs that is attached to a loft. So the guest room space that I've taken over is complete with all of my sewing stuff, and the loft contains my long arm. So I walk down the hall past my design wall to my long arm, which is shared with our game-obsessed child. (laughs) (laughs) I walk past the Xbox and the PS4, and there's my long arm, you know. But it's all good. I love it. Um, But, yeah, I... I'm very, very excited to have a space. Um, I have an ironing station and, um, of course, my bookshelf where I keep all of my um, shoebox-sized plastic tubs with my fabric inside. That's probably my favorite part of the whole room. Um, They're each separated by color or designer or um, theme, like Halloween. I have a couple of those. I have a couple of Christmas boxes. And then I have like six Alice in Glass boxes. <laughs> um, and I think I have about eight low volume boxes. So it just depends on the style that I'm kind of currently in. Um, I will, you know, continually move those around and change them and swap fabric with another box. And it's a continual process for that part. But it's my favorite part of the room, I think. Oh, that sounds awesome. We know you're loving this conversation and we hate to interrupt, but we do need to take a quick ad break before continuing our chat with Jessica. Be right back. Okay. So every time I look at your Instagram, I'm like just amazed at everything you're doing. You're always posting like a new pattern or something new you're working on. And like you're doing foundation piecing, hand quilting. I've seen wool applique and just like a lot of range of techniques and styles. So I was wondering, could you describe your personal quilting style? Like, can you (laughs) define yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my word. Well, I, um, I, I don't know that I can as far as the terminology that people use, but I like to say that I my style is, oh, that's cute. <laughs> like that's kind of a summary of, you know, each thing has its own style and I get bored really quick. So it's not uncommon for me to have about six things going at one time and they're all of different quilting genres, I guess uh-huh. is a good way to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I enjoy things from the softness of Liberty to Tula Pink to the, you know, Kona solids, to a very, you know, girly paper piecing from Quiet Play. Like, my tastes are kind of wide, but every single thing that I make, I'm like, oh, that's so cute. Yeah, (laughs) as long as you love it, it doesn't matter, right? (laughs) 
Yeah, and I've made lots of things that I don't love at the end of it, and then someone out there in the world will love it, and so either I've sold it or I've given it, and I just, I don't hang on to anything that isn't completely satisfactory to me or that is in use. Um, I don't have a lot of back stock on anything because it freaks me out. I just, I can't handle excess. So <laughs> there's quite a bit of making and then it just goes out the door because I'm, I'm like, okay, that was fun. I'm done. Next. <laughs> yes. So is, have you yeah. found any parts of the quilting process or any techniques that you don't love doing? Um, as far as doing, I, I don't like when something doesn't work. <laughs> I know that sounds really weird, but like, I, I really do love the entire process of making a quilt as far as, you know, I've, I've just recently gotten into big stitch hand quilting. Like that's kind of a newer thing for me. Getting on my hands and knees and pin basting a quilt, hats off to anyone who has to do this for everything they make because it kills me. Like physic, the physicality of getting down there on the floor and staying there for hours to pin base is very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, I, I would probably say if I had to answer, that would be one thing I would say I don't really enjoy. But if something doesn't work, you know, like you're just sewing along and all of a sudden your machine decides to take a break and you're like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. We have work to do. Right. Things, things need to work. Like I just had my iron die and I, I was like, no, no, no. I have all the stuff I have to press today. You cannot die. So things like that really get me. I'm like, everything needs to work. <laughs> I'm right. For you. Work, you know? Right, because you have so, the time to do it and you want to make progress. And if it's yeah, slowing you down, yeah. that's do very these, frustrating. Yes. Do these non-animated objects know that we have work? No, but they need <laughs> to be on board with it. <laughs> so yeah. I just, um, yeah, I would, I would say that's the one thing that gets me if, you know, a machine is skipping stitches or if a needle breaks or I just, I need things to kind of have a zen and a flow and keep working and keep moving. Yeah. I, uh, yep. So, I, I understand I that. All of that. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, you know, but yeah. Um, okay. So we're, we're getting close to holiday season and I saw that you came out with a free bookmark pattern and I wanted you to just yeah. describe it a little to our audience or the process. Cause I think our read or our listeners would love making these as holiday gifts. Yes. Oh, I hope that they do because um, the really cool thing about Instagram as far as today, they're still letting us do these stories that you can save on your Instagram feed. And so I've tried to have like the scrap busting nine patch that you made, um, little Insta tutorials where I've made something and then I encourage people to take a screenshot with their phone so that they can have a free pattern. I don't really have any other way to distribute a free pattern at this moment. So, um, you know, I, I have an Etsy shop where I sell my patterns and I can't do anything free through them. So this is the best way for me to be able to share these little ideas that I have that I don't really want to take the time and write a full pattern for. Right. And the bookmark is, is a really good one because it's scrap based. So you're working with really tiny little pieces, not too tiny that newbies would be scared of it it's you know about a one and a half size or you could even work with really anything four inches and smaller um but it's just some basic patchwork and um i back it with um 
what is it, fusible fleece. Um, you can use anything you want or nothing at all if you don't want to. Um, and then I just teach a little basic way of how to self-bind the, the patchwork into the shape of a rectangle, which works as a, a bookmark. I do a little bit of hand stitching in there. Um, you can choose not to. There's lots of people who've made them without the hand stitching, and that's fine too. Um, but it's really fun because, you know, you get these really cute prints and you're like, oh, I don't really want to throw that scrap away, but I don't know what to do with it. You can just turn it into a bookmark and voila, you have a gift, you know? So, and it's a quick process too, which is fun. So you can easily make one or 10 in a day on your yeah. motivation. Yeah, I love this idea. I I gave book handmade bookmarks um, a few Christmases ago to all my friends. So I think this is oh, going to be popular God. and it's, it is such a good way to use your scraps and oh, any I'm, of those oh, like, and a great way to just personalize it with the fabrics or, you know, just make yes. it a little, little fun touch. Yeah. My sweet, sweet friend, Ashley, um, dad's peach on Instagram. She did a cross stitch of like, I think Mr. Darcy mm -hmm. and then followed and did the self-binding and made a bookmark with it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cute. Now I need one. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, now I need a cross stitch. Oh my but gosh. I'm going to have to check that out. I'm in a Jane Austen book club yeah. this year. So that would be <laughs> a oh, fun, my fun gosh, gift. You have to go and check it out. She has the most adorable children. So just like scroll through her babies and find her bookmark. It is so, so cute. I'm like, oh, you could do this with so many things because cross-stitch, the cross-stitching world is amazing. There's so much out there. And even, you know, hand embroidery like Sue Spargo did and um, any of that kind of stuff can be, can be added as that single panel of the patchwork. And then you just self-find and you have a bookmark. Yeah. Very easy. Yeah, perfect. So, yeah. Um, Okay, let's end our interview with some just quick questions. So, okay, <laughs> your favorite quilt block? Um, my favorite quilt block would be the um, Ohio Star version I did for my Maxine Dot that was incidentally on The Walking Dead, which is really cool. Oh my gosh! I okay, I saw that. I forgot all about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a version of an Ohio star block, and the center is um, like a four patch and snowballed, and then you snowball the Ohio star corners, and it's it's just like my my grandmother on a block really is uh, an you know, and a homage to her. She just was from Ohio, and she you know loved polka dots, and that quilt came about. But I made one in black and white, and um, the wonderful people of The Walking Dead bought it and put it on their show which was so cool. That so, is so cool. <laughs> that's my favorite blog. I love that blog. That's a good one. Awesome. Okay. A pattern you've made over and over again. Um, anything with English paper piecing hexes. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I can't stop making them. Um, so I have a, like a project bag with one inch hexes. And then, and this is hexagons for anyone who has no clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, I have to verify that. Um, and then I have another project bag with like one and a half inch hexes and fabric pre-cut ready to go. And I can just grab it and sit and make a whole bunch of them at one time. And then they get turned into anything you want, you know, from a mug rug to an actual quilt. 
um, a zippered bag. Keychains, I have my Hexi key fob pattern that works for them. Um, they're just so fun and easy and portable, and kids can do them. I was at a Lego store one time waiting for my son, and um, a lady outside was watching me sit in the mall and make these, and she goes, what are you doing? And I'm like, here, I'll show you. And I just, like, kitted her up a little bit and taught her how to make hexes, and there she went with her hexes. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> so you can learn them. They're just, they're just really fun and super portable. And yeah, that would, that would be my, my favorite thing. I just can't stop making. Love it. Okay, quilting yeah. machine or hand? Um, mm, both. I have, um, I've been quilting with my long arm for the last three years. And prior to that, I had a brother 1500S I quilted by machine. Um, but I've started big stitch quilting and I, I really like it. Um, I use pearl cotton, either size 12 or, or eight, depending on the color that I need. And um, it's very satisfying. So I'm going to have to say both. I, I do. I like free motion quilting on my long arm, but I also really like hand quilting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A, a color of fabric that always finds itself in your quilts. Um, black and white prints, hands down. Mm-hmm. I have loads and loads of black and white prints, and I, I love them. They work as a background. They work as a focal point. They just enhance everything. I love them. They're my, it's my favorite, it is my go-to favorite thing. In fact, when my parents are traveling and they're um, shopping at quilt shops, my dad is always like, oh, I found some black and whites for you. And like, yay. They just know <laughs> it's my, it's my thing. So I, you can't go wrong with any of them. They're all so good. And they end up everywhere. So black and white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And your best organization tip? Um, project baskets or bins or tubs, however you function the best. Um, but I have um, eight different medium-sized plastic bins that I bought at Target, and each of them will contain various projects at a time, whether I'm collecting fabric for something in the future that I know I want to do, or I've cut something up and I don't want it to get, you know, knocked off the table. And it just makes a really great way to grab that basket off the shelf and then work on that particular project and then take it off your table, put it back in the basket and on the shelf. It just keeps me organized. And it is, it's the one thing I encourage everyone to do. Even if you're only working on one thing at a time, just have a basket near you to throw your scraps in or your keep your pattern in because, you know, we all lose our pattern. I don't know where they go, but um, it's just a really great way to stay organized. And, and then I have eight of them. So it gives me permission to have eight going at once. <laughs> and then you're cut off. Three of them are empty. This is not right. All right, let's get some fabric. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. Just a joy to meet you. Hey, it's Lindsay. I just loved my chat with Jessica. She's such a warm and enthusiastic person, and I immediately felt like we were fast friends. She has such exciting things that she's working on, and she creates the most beautiful quilts. 
As always, visit our show notes for the links to the resources mentioned in our interview, including all the patterns Jessica mentioned. And we're also linked to her social media accounts so that you can connect with her more. Before we leave today, I wanted to share a fun opportunity for all of our podcast listeners. The week of Thanksgiving, we're doing a podcast show called Count Your Quilty Blessings. We'd love to hear a story of something or someone that you're thankful for in your quilting life so we can share it on that podcast. If you'd like to share, please call and leave us a voicemail at 515-257-6870. You can also email us your story or a voice memo to apqpodcast at meredith.com. Have a great week, everyone.